In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. With your permission, Lord Jesus Christ, truly present among us in the most blessed sacrament, the season of Advent is a season uh, that should be characterized by joyful expectation. That's the kind of it's the title of Advent, right? A, a season of, of joyful expectation uh, that we are we're expecting, we're, we're, we want uh, our Lord to come. We're watching for him, and obviously we begin the Advent season focused on our Lord's second coming. Advent begins by looking to, to the definitive, glorious second coming of Christ. Uh, but then as the season progresses and Christmas Day gets a little bit closer, we, we move on and, you know, begin our interior spiritual preparations for celebrating the nativity of our Lord. And uh, one of the main figures of Advent, uh, kind of the, the mascot of Advent, is the figure of St. John the Baptist, who uh, announces this uh, time of preparation. He gets two weeks of uh, the Advent lectionary, the second Sunday of Advent and the third Sunday of Advent. And so this upcoming weekend, we'll be hearing from uh, St. John's Gospel about John the Baptist and John the Baptist, who ultimately, he points us to Jesus, right? John the Baptist points us to Jesus. And in a day of recollection, I think it's important that, you know, we just, we, we fix our gaze on you, Lord. This is just a time to, to talk to you, to, if we've been distracted by things, if life has gotten a little bit busy, if we, um, we're going in all kinds of different directions, if we're missing the forest for the trees, well, Jesus, we need to come back to you, right? We need to be pointed to you. And John the Baptist does that. Like, you know, behold the Lamb of God, right? Keep, keep looking at Jesus. That's, that's where our gaze should be. And no matter how distracted we at times can get and how much we, we lose our gaze, just keep coming, keep coming back to Jesus. In a pure, you know, in a, the practice of, of mindfulness, of beginning to kind of focus on someone's breath, not as a spiritual practice, but as a kind of training of the attention, which then can lead to a good time of prayer, uh, can just help kind of focus the attention. One of the things is just keep, keep focusing on your breath. Like, just focus on your breath. And because the breath, particularly, is related to sense of touch, it's easier than focusing on an image or a sound. It's just uh, that it's got a bit of a stronger uh, resonance. So just focus on your breath. And then, like, okay, but I started thinking about my grocery list. Okay, get back to the breath. Right? You just got to get back. And no matter how many times, you just got to gently turn your attention back. And Jesus, that's what we ultimately need to do with you. We need to just gently turn our attention back. And then, oh, but there's this and there. Okay, but, but Jesus, we love you. You're our Lord. You're our Savior. 
We're going to celebrate your birthday. And so no matter how many times, hundreds of times a day, that our attention goes somewhere else and we get distracted, okay, but we come back to you. And day of recollection can be a great time to just do that in a bit of a more serious way, in a way of just getting our attention back onto you, Lord, so that we can spend this time with you well and this time of prayer. And as we go through the Advent season, John the Baptist is our mascot, uh, but also we can pay attention in a special way to, to the Holy Family, to St. Joseph and our Blessed Mother, Our Lady, and we can watch them and kind of see how they act and what do they do as they're getting ready to welcome you, Lord, into their lives. Like what, what do they do? How do they, how do they do it? How do they do it well? What does it look like to really welcome Jesus? It's a time of, of joyful expectation. So what does it really look like to welcome Jesus? Aristotle in talking about virtue, it says if you want to learn how to be virtuous, the best thing you could do is find someone that's doing what you want to do and just imitate them. Just, just follow what they do. Um, so the, the best thing you could do, find somebody that's, that's doing what you want to do and, and just imitate them. And so we want to welcome Jesus. Well, how does Our Lady do it? How does St. Joseph do it? How did, how did they do it? And how can then we, we learn from that? How can we follow how they act? I think the first point is that they um, react each in their own way, as recorded in both Matthew's Gospel with regard to St. Joseph and Luke's Gospel with regard to Our Lady. They act in ways that are totally human and are virtuous and just, but also require growth. As humans, we're not... We're not yet perfect. And while Our Lady may have been perfect in that she didn't have any deficiency of sin, uh, she still had to grow, right? She still had to, to learn. And St. Joseph was a just man, right? Um, but he still had to grow. He still had to learn. And so we hear that we can begin with Our Lady as that chronologically happened first. Is that when the angel came and announced to Mary that she would be the mother of God, right? You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great, be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. It's a, it's a big task, and just reflecting on this, angels, um, because angels don't have bodies, it's not like, the archangel St. Gabriel, like, knocked on the door of the home of Nazareth, right? Maybe talk to Joe, Kim, and Ann for a little bit. I need to, I've, I've got a message for your daughter. Like, you mind if I just sit and chat with her? Like, no, the angel shows up right, out of nowhere. Um, well, what does that look like to be approached by a heavenly being where there's no knocking on the door? There's no even just, like, hearing the steps of feet of someone coming, when I'm sitting in the confessional, uh, you can't see anything. It's, you know, the priest section is dark. You can't see what's going on. But after six years almost using that confessional, I can, I can really discern footsteps pretty well, right? And so I'm like, all right, 
like those footsteps, like the way that those feet are falling of whoever they may be, they're, they're on their way in. Oh no, that person's just walking down the aisle. Like I can tell footsteps of who's on their way into the confessional and who's not. Uh, and we, we as human beings can do that with an angel, nothing. You got no warning, right? An angel just shows up. And Gabriel just shows up and announces to Our Lady, right? You're, you're going to be the mother of God. You're going to give birth to the son of David. Um, he'll be great, called son of the Most High. Um, and then with no preparation. I mean, she was prepared through the Immaculate Conception and a life of holiness. But kind of with no advance warning that this conversation would be happening. Um, Our Lady's on the spot. And so what does she do? Well, she asks a question, right? She, she, needs, she needs more information on how this is going to happen. How will this be since I know not man? Now there, that phrase, uh, and this is beautifully treated in Brant Petrie's book, Jesus and the Jewish Roots of Mary, um, but that phrase, I know not man, is not just like, well, I'm, I'm still a virgin or I'm not currently fully married. She's betrothed, so Joseph is her husband. So any translation which uh, would say, I, I have no husband is incorrect. Like Joseph is uh, her husband in all things except them living together. Um, but uh, the phrase, I know not man, has more of a connotation of when someone may say in our culture, I don't drink, right? I don't drink. You want a glass of wine? No, I don't drink. Not saying like, I don't, I'm not having a glass of wine today. I'm not drinking today. I don't drink. I know not man. Meaning that Mary had promised herself um, to our Lord, to God, to God alone. And so she needs more information. How's, how's this going to happen? Right? Here's a girl intending to remain a virgin, consecrated to God entirely, body and soul. So how, how's this going to happen? She needs to ask the question. And we see a similar thing with St. Joseph. Um, that he, he, needs to, he needs to ask, right? Because he hears now, Mary is, is with child. And, you know, I'm sure Our Lady told him about, about the angel and what's going to happen in the angel's message. And kind of the, the spiritual read of this is that when Joseph, because he's a just man, doesn't want to expose her to any kind of shame, he resolves to quietly divorce her, to, to get himself out of the way. God has chosen his bride for something special. In at least Gabriel's message to Mary, there was nothing said about Joseph. So there's an element of like, okay, I gotta, I gotta step back here. I, this is, I love her, I wanna marry her, but uh, God has a different plan. And so the desire to quiet, the, the decision, he made the decision to quietly just, okay, I'm gonna re, you know, release her from any legal bonds that she has to me. I'm going to step aside quietly. And then there too, Gabriel speaks to him. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And so as we watch the Holy Family and we look at how we prepare for the coming of Christ in our own lives, I think the thing that we, we can get from both Our Lady and St. Joseph is it's okay to need to grow. 
that as we, as we welcome Christ, we don't necessarily need to have all the answers right away. As human beings, we need to continue to learn and grow, particularly as men, right? There could be this, this pressure to always have the answer. Right? Dad always knows, and so go ask Dad, because he knows everything, literally. Um, if he doesn't know, he's going to just make it up. But kids don't need to know that. Uh, but there's this pressure to always have the right answer to always be the one to whom everyone looks. And as we're preparing for the Lord, it's important that we have that freedom to learn and to grow. That none of us are, are perfect in knowledge and that we need, to, um, we need to grow and we need to learn. And the Holy Family teaches us that, that it's okay. Our Lady was perfect, <laughs> but... Even she asks, asks the questions, how is this going to be? And once she knows, once she has those clarifying details, well, then she answers that beautifully, right? Fiat. Ecce, angelo domini, fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, let it be to me. But fiat has more of a, not just, okay, let it, whatever, like, it's going to happen. Like, no, no, like, I'm in, I'm 100% cooperating. I'm part of this. Fiat. Anytime that we maybe don't want to do something in a human way, um, but no, I need to be in fiat, right? And actually, I'm, now I'm in body and soul. 100% I'm there. Fiat. Um, so Our Lady's fiat isn't just like a, a passive, all right, I don't object, uh, but it's an active. I'm in. Fiat, right? Let it be. I'm part of this. And same St. Joseph. When he wakes up, it's interesting. It's four active verbs in a row, right? When he woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife. He did not know her, and he named the boy Jesus, right? Like, he, he acts. Once we, once we get that clarification, then, then we act. Both Mary and Joseph are active. They act. They do something. So as we prepare um, to welcome our Lord, we, we need to both be open to growth ourselves and that's why partaking of some good formation is important, that we have the opportunity to, to be formed ourselves and, and to grow and to not... Um, I was, as a teenager, uh, one of my first bosses at the Boy Scout camp I worked at reminded I, I like to talk a lot. And he said, Michael, if you walk into a room with the 10 smartest people in the world and you talk the whole time, you're going to walk out exactly the same. Uh, you, you will have learned nothing from any of them, Right. So maybe it's good every now and again to just stop. Like, let, let someone else talk. You'll learn something. Uh, and it's great. Okay, I, I need to be formed. I need to grow. I need to learn. But Advent isn't just, just expectation. It's joyful expectation, right? What should mark our expectation is, is joy. That we, we want to welcome Jesus, right? We, we're happy we're, we're happy that the Lord is coming. This upcoming Sunday is called Gaudete Sunday. From the imperative in the entrance antiphon, rejoice. We need to, re- and it's an, it's an imperative, it's a command, right? Rejoice. And we need that reminder. Christmas just over a week away. It can be really easy to, um, to just be busy and be stressed, and want to complain about things. And there's just a lot going on. And so, I mean, maybe 
in a type of cynical way. Like, I'm happy Christmas is only eight days away or nine days away uh, because that means that after Christmas is only 10 or 11 days away, right? And then it's all over. We're just getting through it. And there could be a a human mentality of just, we just got to get through this one. Um, We're not striving for greatness at this point. We're just, we're just running out the clock. Um, A friend of mine in seminary gave a homily at the end of the school year as exams were just kind of, you know, we're getting toward exam time. And uh, he used this phrase, which I remember now, you know, 11 years later, which was saints don't run out the clock. They run up the score, right? Saints don't run out the clock. They run up the score. And so we, we shouldn't want to run out the clock uh, on this time of preparation. We should rather uh, run up the score, right? We wanna, we, or even if we're losing, like we're going to take the loss. I don't know who Las Vegas played on Thursday night, but whoever it was lost pretty badly. Um, and I had Vegas's defense on my... Um, on my fantasy team. So when the, the opposing team scores two touchdowns in the last 10 minutes on a game they're never going to win, it's like, guys, why didn't you just quit so I could have an even better fantasy score? Um, but even if we know we're, we're going to take the loss, right? <laughs> All right, well, get a touchdown or two, right? Let's just do the best we can with the time we have left um, to, to give what we can. We don't run out the clock. We run up the score. Um, so we wanted to have joy, right? We want to we wanna be joyful about these things. We're happy our Lord is coming. We, we are, um, and I think with that, we should be attentive to what do we share and how do we, how do we speak about Christmas is on its way? And how do we speak about maybe just uh, ourselves and our, how things are going, right? If somebody asks you, like, how are you doing? It could be easy to... Uh, I'm fine. Work's busy. How are things going? Well, busy. Things are busy. Um, okay. Yeah, no, I've, I've got a toothache. Like, people are comfortable with those types of conversations. If someone's like, how's it going? Well, things are great. Like, this is good. Jesus is born for us. Like, I can't wait to celebrate our Lord's nativity. Oh, hold on, but I, I was just, I, I just want to talk about the weather. Like, I, I didn't want to get into the depth, that kind of depth of conversation, but we should, we should radiate joy, and we should share that joy. Why is it so much easier to share a complaint or a frustration or something totally useless than it is to share joy? How are you doing today? Well, I'm just so glad because the Messiah has been born for us. We are celebrating our Lord's nativity. And so I'm so, so glad for that. I'm so happy uh, that our Lord is born. And so we should, we should rejoice. Now, part of this joyful expectation, though, and part of our duty in Advent is we have to, we have to make room for our Lord, right? We're going we're gonna to hear... On Christmas night, or depending on which Mass you go to, maybe at one of, the, one of the Gospels, maybe you'll hear it. If not, you could go read it in St. Luke's Gospel. Um, but that when, when Jesus was born, she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, but laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. It's probably one of the most famous 
things people know from Christmas, um, which is sad because it's also one of the saddest parts of the Christmas story. There's no, there's no room for Jesus in the end. And, and just think about like how that conversation would have gone, right? Mary is actively in labor and St. Joseph is there in Bethlehem, right? His hometown. Now he was from Nazareth, but the hometown of his family lineage being of the house of David. And he must have been like, he probably didn't like knock on the door. Hey, do you have any rooms? No. Oh, okay. Like, no, this is, this is Joseph and he's taking care of his wife. And so like, what would I, well, come on, you can, you can make room. Like you got to have a room. Right? Look at, look at those people. They could fit into one room and we could take that room. We just need a corner of her. She's going to have a baby any minute now. Right? What would any first-time dad with his wife about to give birth? Like, you're going to argue a little bit. Right? So Joseph probably didn't go quietly. He probably, you know, was like pushing. Like, we, we need a spot. We need this spot. We need that. Any, give us anything. And then finding nothing. Nothing. In the whole town. There's nowhere. There's no room. No one willing to make room for them. And that's a warning to us, right? We got just a week left to make room. Are we ready to welcome Jesus, right? Are we really well ready? Lord, for you in our lives, is there, is there room for you? Are we, are we willing to make that room? Maybe you have the experience um, with household kitchen appliances. I know I do. When there's no room, there's either no room in the fridge or there's no room in the dishwasher. And both of those are travesties, right? Um, so if there's no room in the dishwasher, you, you do, you know, you kind of do the, oh yeah, well, if things are stacked right on, one on top of the other, it'll, it'll get clean, <laughs> whatever. You know, I don't want to run the dishwasher because I don't want to empty it. So we're just going to leave it dirty for as long as possible. We'll just kind of squeeze what we can. And then it, it's very, I'd rather wash a plate or two in the sink than have to run and unload the dishwasher. Um, or, or like the fridge, like there's no, I can't fit this in the fridge. We, um, we had a day of recollection for priests yesterday and we got a big tray of wraps and they didn't all get eaten. So we have this big tray of wraps trying to shove it in the fridge somehow. And you, you look and we should probably throw some of that stuff away. Uh, and so how do you really make room for it? Like if you really are planning, if it's not just shoving stuff in there and then taking out what's closest to the door, but really like an intentional plan. Yeah, like that mayonnaise from last year, that could probably go. Like we, we could probably throw that one away. Oh, the salad dressing that was left over from that trip to Olive Garden, again, a year ago. We don't, we don't need that anymore. Um, you know, you, you go and you can actually decide if you're intentional about it. And maybe you're not in a rush. With enough time, you can say, no, we can, okay, we can move some stuff around. Uh, we, can, we can fit this if we... If we get rid of the things we really don't need, uh, then we can fit the stuff we want. Well, same with preparing a space for our Lord, right? What's, what's the, what are the things that have just been sitting with my attention, sitting in my heart, that's like year-old mayonnaise, year-old if you're lucky, right? Like that's just there, that, okay, let's be intentional about it. We got a week. We're not quite up to the rush yet. We're getting there, but we're not quite there 100% yet. So, so we got a week. What do I need to do to be ready to celebrate Christmas full of spiritual life, full of focus on Christ? What, what needs to go in my heart? Where, where's my attention? It'll still too divided. Not just Christmas Day, but for all time. As I'm preparing, like, this is the time. This is the time to, to clean out the fridge of my heart. And so, Lord, what's, um, what has to be removed? 
What's cluttering a lot of space that we don't need? And how am I going to make that space for you to welcome you? Further, when we welcome Christ, what kind of welcome do we give him, right? Like, how, how welcome is Jesus in my heart? And what kind of accommodations does he have in the inn of my heart? Is, is it a good, like, this is a good place? It's a good hotel? I'm happy to stay here. It's a family home. I'm comfortable. They treat me well. Right? When you stay at someone's house who is really attentive to hospitality, like really attentive to hospitality, it's a different experience. Someone who like really cares and is really looking out for you and do you have everything you need and are you comfortable and let me show you where this is, and let me show you where that is and I don't drink coffee but I know you do. So we, we bought coffee for you, right? We got some stuff for breakfast. Uh, do you need anything? There's towels, the hot water, everything's been freshly cleaned. Right, as opposed to not, and, and maybe just staying in like a, a dirty motel, and it's just kind of gross, and uh, or somewhere where maybe you're just really not welcome. Right, I really don't want you to be here, and so we're not going to roll out the red carpet. We're not going to be because you're an imposition. You're not a real guest. You're an imposition, a nuisance, an inconvenience. And is that the welcome Jesus gets in my heart? Like, fine, there's space for you, Jesus, but. You, you are, you're an imposition to me right now. You're, you're a bit of a, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this out of duty, not out of love. And so we just got to get this over with. Is that maybe how we treat our Lord? What kind, of, what kind of welcome do we give him? You know, to be in a state of mortal sin is to be in that state of you're not welcome. Jesus, you're not welcome in my heart. That's mortal sin. We've, we've made our heart hostile territory. Not just you're not well, like it's, this is hostile territory. But all of our, like, venial sin, that's all the lack of welcome, right? That's the, we didn't put towels out for you, right? That's the, we didn't make, you know, put clean sheets. Um, you know, venial sins are all the ways that we're just not being attentive to our Lord. And while they don't kill the great life of grace, like, we could do better. And when we pick on some of these venial sins, and you pick out just one or, one or two, I, I could do a little bit better. Look, I could do better in my in my welcome of you. There's an interesting little fact that in uh, Vatican nunciatures, and papal nunciatures, right? So the Pope's ambassador to a particular country is called the nuncio. He's the papal ambassador. And, and the nuncio has the nicest room, obviously, in the nunciature, except when the Pope comes. When the Pope comes, the nuncio has to vacate his room, and the Pope stays in the nuncio's room, right? It's the place where the Pope stays. Uh, and so... Like, do we give that kind of a welcome? Like, Jesus, I'm giving you, I'm giving you my room, right? I'm giving you uh, my space that I'm not just, I'm, I'm getting out of the way for you, Jesus, right? That's the, the type of welcome we want to give our Lord in this time of joyful expectation. And so there's still time. It's not too late. If maybe we've wasted part of this Advent, if Advent is really short this year. It's the shortest it can possibly be. So if maybe like, the fact that Christmas is only just over a week away, we've, we haven't used Advent well, well, now's the time, right? Uh, that good aspiration of St. Jose Maria, nunc cepi, right? Begin right now, just right now, not even tomorrow, nunc cepi, like before even benediction. And the rest of this time of adoration, personal prayer, chance for confession, like now, right now I begin, Lord. Uh, I want to welcome you. I want to give you a good welcome with all that hospitality and all those venial sins that 
are just the little lacks of courtesy. Like, I want to get rid of those. Making room for you, Jesus. Following the example of Joseph and Mary. Uh, so with real joy, with real joy, real participation, we can welcome you. We ask Our Lady uh, to help us with this, our mother. Uh, she accompanies us along the entire path of Advent. And so Mary, help us to welcome Christ as you did, full of joy and grace. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.